0: Translator's Preface of A Vital Question, or What is to be Done? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. A Vital Question, or What is to be Done, by Nikolai Chernushevsky. Translated by Nathan Haskell Dole eighteen fifty two to nineteen thirty five and others translator's preface in the present translation the american public has an opportunity of studying what the paternal russian government regards as revolutionary literature in the russian cities it is possible by offering guarantees by depositing fifteen or twenty rubles and by paying fifteen or twenty kopecks a day to borrow tchernishevsky's novel from the libraries it is dangerous property however and the person caught with it in his possession may make unpleasant acquaintance with the police it was published first in the columns of the Sovremennik, contemporary it was written with all the enthusiasm which an ardent soul could feel at the first breath of liberty blowing on a land long ground down under the heel of oppression it made an immense sensation throughout russia it is said that hundreds of young girls, living in disagreeable circumstances, started to follow Vera Pavlovna's example, and hundreds of young men to live honourable, lofty, philosophical lives in the fashion of the types represented by Lopukhov and Kirsinov. The tendency of the story was quite too liberal, and it was hardly brought out in book form before it was ruthlessly suppressed. Even now, however, it works like a leaven, and though it is dead it lives it is not a novel in the strict sense of the word the characters are all drawn from life kirsdnof is understood to be a picture of the distinguished professor shevitch of st petersburg and vera pavlovna still lives the extraordinary man so singularly introduced in the third part is regarded in russia as an ideal picture of the famous karakasov in the present unsettled state of the labor question this novel of the crushed russian reformer has a most vital interest it ought to come to every poor working girl like a breath from heaven like an inspiration there is no reason why vera pavlovna's industrial experiment which is no chimerical dream should not be put into practice in every town where the english language is spoken are not the signs as certain as fate that cooperation is to be the great system of the future and how reasonably it is presented in a vital question then there will be no more strikes for eight hours of work no more quarrels between employers and the employed for the employed will be themselves their own employers as regards the still more vital question upon which the book touches it is evident what the author teaches and with what a master hand the present marriage system is in many instances a failure Witness the proportion of divorces to marriages in every state, not only in this country, but in countries where divorce is allowed, and the immorality everywhere. How is it to be stopped? Not by free love, but by education and the joining of those who were meant to be joined. Marriage is a fact, and how is it to be purified and made sacred? Sherneshevsky offers his theory of its practical solution, not in the philosophically absurd and weak conduct of Lopikov, which perhaps was unavoidable in a country like russia but in the suggestions of rakhmatov which however are only to be realized when people have attained a higher state of morality and education than is to be found except among a very few in whom the animal nature is absolutely tamed cases have been known where man and wife growing apart by natural development have again established love through what we call christian grace how many such cases are there it takes a miracle to mix oil and water this is a question which forces itself home to every man and woman what is to be done about it whatever may be thought about tchernashevsky's solution whatever may be thought about the morality of the business agreement theory whatever may be thought of the conduct of lopakov there can be no doubt of the intense moral purpose of the author he may be mistaken but his virtue is spartan it is as heroic as though it were ideally christian such is the motif of the story but even more important than this special motif is the general theory of the equality of women the development of which makes the real greatness of the book such an ideal of womanhood is offered as can scarcely be found anywhere else in literature even those who possibly misunderstanding what Chernyshevsky really proposes think his ideas in respect to freedom of divorce unsound and immoral cannot fail to recognize the magnificence of the prospect which he opens before the softer sex in vera pavlovna's fourth vision it ought to be read and taken to heart by every woman in the world it lies with the women themselves to determine their treatment by men and the terrible social state from which now so many unfortunate creatures both married and single are suffering might be cured as malaria is cured by the wind of the sea if this theory were only brought into practice a vital question should especially be grateful to the women of this land which is popularly supposed to be the land of freedom a few words about the author himself may be interesting nikolai gavrilovitch Chernyshevsky was born in eighteen twenty nine in the city of saratov his father a man of remarkable intellect and character was an archpriest of the cathedral who was revered and loved by all who knew him the young nikolai was placed in the theological school at saratov where he devoted himself with remarkable assiduity to the study of the ancient languages and particularly of the bible at this time he was an unquestioning believer but as his mind developed he found that the atmosphere of the greek church suffocated him his old father made no opposition and sent him to the university of petersburg where he entered the philological faculty and devoted himself to the mastery of the ancient languages and especially the slavonic he was an indefatigable reader and having been introduced to the study of sociology he locked himself in his room and read everything that he could find in russian french and german on the subject and the training he had received in the seminary quickly enabled him to become a master of it after his graduation in eighteen fifty He was engaged as instructor of literature in the school of cadets. But at the end of a year, at the request of his mother, who was very dear to him, he gave up the pleasant circle of acquaintances and the delightful life in Petersburg and became a teacher in the gymnasium of his native town. It was a particularly trying position for a man of his liberal views, but he had the satisfaction of exerting an immense influence in the circle in which he moved. It is said that through his silent example and personal popularity, many of the petty officials who hitherto had wasted their time and energies became interested in self-culture, and, what was more for Russian chinovniks, refused to accept bribes. Nikolai met a young girl belonging to this circle and fell in love with her. His mother died in 1853, and shortly after, with his father's blessing, he married and moved to petersburg where he earned a precarious existence by various literary work finding that english translations were becoming fashionable he learned english in two months and translated a novel meantime he was working for his degree of magister his dissertation on the aesthetic relation of art to reality was so radical in its ideas that it caused his rejection he got into difficulty with the director of the corps of cadets and resigned his position as teacher and thenceforth devoted himself to literature his dissertation gave him a place in the office of the sovramenic as critical and political writer after the accession of alexander the second while the emperor was still enjoying his prestige as tsar-liberator kyrnyshevsky through the journal energetically devoted himself to the instruction of the people in the science of political economy that involved him in a controversy with the conservative political economist of russia he was charged with revolutionary sentiments at first the government tried to buy him off by offering him the office of editor of certain government publications he accepted the position of editor of the military magazine under certain conditions but he could not hold the position from this time began a systematic effort to ruin him anonymous articles and pamphlets were attributed to him and finally he was arrested though nothing was really found against him he was kept in prison for two years a spy was introduced into his cell but the worst that he could be charged with was that he said now is the time not to think but to act but there were rumours of a polish insurrection and of risings among the serfs and such a man was dangerous therefore he was tried and condemned on forged documents the reading of the sentence took place on the morning of the twenty-fifth of june eighteen sixty four two years and two months after his incarceration a great throng gathered in spite of the rain and just as the sentence was finished and the sabre was broken according to the custom when a well-born person is condemned and while the executioner was fastening tchernashevsky's hands to the rings on the scaffold a great bouquet fell at his feet footnote the disgraceful post as it is called stands upon the scaffold provided with rings and chains the convict's hands are thrust through the rings and he is fastened so that he cannot move tchernishevsky was sent to the mines at this time there were upwards of three thousand people imprisoned in central russia alone two years later occurred the attempt of karakozov on the emperor's life it happened on the fourth of april old style and by a singular coincidence, Sherneshevsky's novel was dated April 4th, 1863. It was proposed to bring him back to trial as an accomplice. This absurdity was not carried out, but after Sherneshevsky had served seven years, Count Shuvalov, the head of the police, had him accepted from the usual respite. Afterwards, he was sent to Yakutsk and imprisoned under the close guard of two gendarmes and two Cossacks. In the words of the historian, thus nikolai gavrilovitch Chernyshevsky was cut off from society and science the story of tchernashevsky's imprisonment is heartrending. even before he was sentenced he was allowed to see his sick wife only after he had starved himself almost to death and even then only in the presence of others afterwards he was allowed to write her once a year but this privilege was taken away from him when some spies reported that there was a plot to have him rescued he was not allowed to have books or writing material and in sheer desperation he punctured a vein in his arm and wrote in letters of blood on the wall of his cell it was not strange that his mind one of the brightest minds that russia ever produced was broken by such tortures tchernishevsky at last accounts was still living under police supervision in astrakhan a reporter of an english daily interviewed him a year or two ago and found him still intelligent but a mental wreck such action is worthy of the austrian government towards dangerous silvio pellicos but is it not incredible that a country in the nineteenth century should employ such means to deprive itself of a man who would have reflected more glory on the realm of its emperors than the emperors themselves the present translation has been made with great care and it is hoped that it may be forgiven even by that school of critics which lays down the commandment thou shalt not commit translations one single change has been made which it is right to mention for the sake of those who believe that a ready-made coat must be worn without alteration even if it does not fit in one single scene Kirsdnof's character has been slightly mended better to suit the american ideal of man A very few Russian words have been retained in cases where there was nothing corresponding to them in English. Such are sufficiently explained in the text. Tchernyshevsky's style is often exceedingly awkward. He sometimes strove after originality at the expense of wisdom. But it cannot fail to be recognized that a vital question deserves a high rank among modern novels. Those who begin it will not be likely to lay it down unfinished nathan haskell dole s s skidelsky philadelphia june fourth eighteen eighty six end of translator's preface recording by expatriate in bangor maine